morning. How are you guys doing? Come on, how are you guys doing? All right, you guys know the drill and you know where we are at, right? Because it is January 15th, which means we are in Proverbs chapter 15. All right, we're looking at a message entitled The Heart-Mouth Connection. Have you guys been going through it with us this last week? Yeah, maybe, maybe a little spotty for some of you. Well, this marks about halfway through our Proverbs challenge. So if you have not yet started, it's not too late. You could start today with Proverbs chapter 15 while we study it. Later on today, you could give it a full read as we're not going to look at every verse. And then start tomorrow with the 16th and pick it up. In Proverbs chapter 16, there's still a, a wealth of knowledge and scripture to go, and so we would love for you to continue to go along with us. But you guys good? You guys been uh, staying dry? You guys, it's been raining a lot, so you've been staying dry. It's like, yeah. Let's just get into the Bible study. I'm, I'm not going to make small talk. Proverbs chapter 15, the heart-mouth connection. So we're going to be talking about something that in scripture becomes very clear the more you read. And it's the fact that your mouth has a connection to your heart. Now, there are many proverbs regarding what we say and the heart. Now, for the 15th chapter, we've kind of gotten to this part in the proverbs where the chapter as a whole, remember, those came later on. Uh, when Solomon wrote Proverbs, he wasn't like, oh, let me write the 15th chapter. And in the 15th chapter, I'll include all these 33 Proverbs. No, that came after simply as a way of reference. Now, while the compilation of uh, even the book of Proverbs and which Proverbs went where was done by someone even earlier than when the chapters came. So later on, we had this book of Proverbs, and they began to put the chapters and the verses, and this is extremely helpful uh, for, for gatherings together so that I don't just say, hey, look at Proverbs like halfway in between, and it would be very difficult to find. So this is super helpful that they did that. However, with that, there's not a collective theme uh, within some of these chapters. If you guys were here on Wednesday, then you'll know that Tate kind of highlighted some principles and uh, went through some things with you. Uh, however, while there's no collective theme, there, there are some Proverbs that connect. And we're going to see that they connect uh, in, in a unique way with what we say and what is in our heart. Now, if you're taking notes, you can note down that the whole book of Proverbs has about 90 Proverbs counseling us regarding what comes out of our mouths, meaning out of the 500 or something Proverbs that are in the book, about 90 of them talk about what we say. And today we're going to highlight a handful of those. You know, the fact that you and I can speak and that we have language is something very distinguishing to us as humans. Uh, we kind of can take it for granted sometimes because it's just normal. It's just what we do. We, we talk and we are taught to talk and, and all those things. But it shows that you and I are made in the image of God. And very early on in history of the universe itself, we see 
that one of the distinguishing marks of God is the fact that he speaks. That's why in the beginning in Genesis 1, we're told that God spoke and so creation was created. He said, let there be light. And what was there? He said that there was light and so on and so forth. You see, animals are also God's creation, but they're not able to speak. Now, there are some animals that we have learned that we can train them to repeat things like parrots or apparently even dolphins. I didn't realize that. But there's some animals that you can teach them things, very smart. Uh, But there's no animal that you can have a conversation with. And as much as you love your dog and you talk to your dog, uh, your dog does not talk back to you. Our type of conversation, the fact that we have language, is something very unique to humanity. And it's very personal for all of us because it's something we all do. Speaking is something all of us do every day. Now, some people might have more words to say while others have less. Uh, you don't have to walk too far around this room to tell who's who. You got some, some of y'all that can't not talk. You just, it's all over the place. It's good. It's your personality. And then some of you who we have to teach to say hello. And that's okay. They say, uh, research says that uh, the average that someone speaks, I don't know how they come to this conclusion, is approximately 7,000 words in one day. Now, up to, they say, some people speak more like 20,000 words in one day. Raise your hand if you think you lean more towards the 7,000 mark. Raise your hand. You're like, I have no idea. Raise your hand if you lean more towards the 20,000 word. Okay, so we've got a lot of, good amount of talkers in here. Raise your hand if you're like, I probably don't even come close to the seven. I just, I'm, I'm a quiet person. Okay. Um, now, regardless of if you are a talker or not, language is something that is given to you by God, and it is good, but there's also, it can be used for uh, many bad things as well. And so we're going to talk about in regards to wisdom, how we use our mouth, but there are also many verses that refer to the heart in Proverbs. Now, while talking about what we say, that's rather straightforward. Now, when the Bible talks about the heart, what does it refer to? Now, obviously, we all know what the heart is. It's a vital organ that pumps blood through the entire human body. Yes, you all have one. However, when the Bible talks about the heart, it it is very rare, if ever, that it's referring to the your physical heart, like the muscle that is in your chest pumping blood. It's very rare that it's actually talking about that. But the Bible mentions this term, the heart, over a thousand times. And the whole of scripture, old and new, about a thousand times, which means it's important. And when you break it all down, what the heart refers to is not the vital organ, but the immaterial part of who you are, the spiritual part where emotions and desires dwell. So think about it. When the Bible says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, it's not saying make sure your organ really loves God. No, it's talking about you, your emotions, your desires, the immaterial part of who you are. And so today we're going to put these two together. How do the heart and mouth connect? Well, 
Let's pray and we'll get into it. Father in heaven, as we approach your word this day, we ask for your blessing. We ask for your revelation. God, we know we could study the words of scripture, Lord, but without your Holy Spirit, we're going to be lost. We're not going to apply things rightly. And so, God, we ask that you'd help us to rightly divide the word of truth, but that the truth that we learn would not stay here. It would not stay in our heads, but it would move to our hearts and then, Lord, move out into our lives. And so, God, we pray for clarity. We pray for instruction. And we're just going to be open to what you would speak to us today. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Okay, so before we get into the chapter of the day, we got to lay a foundation. Because if we jump into Proverbs 15 and look at these verses regarding the heart and mouth, there, there could be some good things that we get from that, absolutely. But I believe if we lay a little bit of a foundation, uh, a, a little bit of a of some principle, then we're going to be able to build something on top of that foundation that's going to be able to be lasting, okay? So for now, I actually want you to bookmark chapter 15. Whether you put your pen in there, well, you might need your pen. Whether you put your ribbon in there, whether you leave your finger in Proverbs 15, or you're just like, no, I'm a professional Bible turn page turner, and you can turn back real quick when we go back. Either way, we will be back in Proverbs 15 without a doubt. However, we got to lay a foundation in the book of Matthew. We got to look at some words of Jesus, okay? Matthew chapter 12, I would love to hear some pages beginning to flip. Let's hear them. Um, you don't have to, yeah, some of you just crumpling paper. No, no, I want to hear like the natural Matthew chapter 12. That's why we don't want you using a Bible, uh, a phone for your Bible. We want to hear those pages turning. There's something good about that. And we want you to have a physical Bible that you are reading out of. So Matthew chapter 12. Matthew 12, we're going to look at a small section that Jesus talks about, verses 33 to 37. You can note it down. We're going to read it. So this statement, this, this teaching that Jesus dives into comes in the process of responding to some flack that he was getting for healing a blind and mute demon-possessed man. You heard me right. It was a demon-possessed guy. He couldn't see, couldn't hear, and Jesus healed him. And guess who got all upset about it? The scribes and the Pharisees. And so they go to Jesus and they begin to accuse Jesus. They say, the only reason you were able to cast out his demon is because you are the ruler of the demons. They basically were calling Jesus Satan, and Jesus responds. And of course, Jesus' response are classically the best, right? And so Jesus illustrates to them how their argument literally makes no sense. He says, if I was the ruler of the demons, why would I be casting them out? doesn't make sense. And then he goes on to say that what they speak against him as Jesus now can be forgiven. And then he talks about, but if they continue to speak against God and the Holy Spirit, referring to the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, then they will eventually die in their sins. And then he breaks it down for them who are hard to hear in our section. Look at verse 33 with me of Matthew. 
either make the tree good and its fruit good or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For a tree is known by its fruit. Broad of brood of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? It's a rhetorical question. They couldn't speak good things. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, that they will give an account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you'll be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Jesus' view of words was that words are important, that they are something critical, that they are something foundational. And he, and he talks about this in this way. He says, a good tree bears good fruit, and a bad tree bears bad fruit. This is the truth that Jesus often established. And it was the fact that what is in the roots will determine what is in the fruit. Okay? Just track with me for a moment. What is in the root, so what's going on underneath the surface, the part that you can't see, will be the determination for what type of fruit will come out of it. And so he has this phrase. He uses this sentence. Have you guys ever heard this verse used before? I was uh, talking to my wife about what I will be teaching on today and what was next on our topic and she had, I had told her about this verse I was going to share on. It was, of course, one that she had heard over and over again. She has this memory of where, as a kid, uh, where she would say something, right? And she said it, and she probably shouldn't have. You guys ever experienced that? And so she's like, oh, no, I'm sorry. Like, I, I didn't mean it. And every time her mom would just say, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so in her head, it's like this, this thing that her mom always told her, but it's true. And it's, and it's Jesus who says it. Listen, this idea of abundance, if you're taking notes, it means overflow. Out of the overflow of the heart, meaning that the heart begins to overflow and what comes out of the mouth is, is a direct connection, a direct cor correlation to what is in the heart. When you say something, it doesn't just come from anywhere. Listen, have you ever said something and you think to yourself, where did that come from? Have you ever said something, you're like, oh my God, I can't believe I just said that. It doesn't just come out of the air. It doesn't come from your foot. It doesn't come from your liver. It comes from your heart, your emotions, your desires, who you are. Speaking makes what's in your heart that no one can see come out out and be put on display it, it it shows it begins to rise to the surface the heart is something to be seen is not something to be seen it is the unseen part of you but when you speak listen listen closely when you speak it begins to show what the unseen part is and it begins to be put on display including for yourself he goes on in verse 35, and notice he says here, look in your text or on the screen, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth 
evil things. So he uses this word treasure. Everyone say treasure. Treasure, that he uses this word because this is the place where valuable things are kept. Okay, let me give you an example. This word is found 10 chapters earlier in Matthew chapter 2, verse 11, when he says, and when they had come into the house, this is a, a, about the wise men. Remember, they brought their gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And notice on the screen, the second half, when they opened their treasures, that's the same word. It's the idea that when the wise men came to give their gifts to Jesus, they had them contained in something. And that's the same word he uses to talk about your heart. Where your heart is, is the most valuable part of who you are. And when you speak, you open up to see what is on display. And if there's good in there, then you're going to speak what is good. And if there's evil, then you will speak what is evil. What is Jesus getting at? It's the fact that every word matters. Do you guys hear me? Every word matters. There's no such thing as an empty word. They all have weight to them. They all have power to them. And they mean something. That's why, look at then verse 36, look in your Bibles. Jesus gives a warning. And the warning is that every word you speak, you will give an account on the day of judgment. Now the great thing, listen, the great thing for the believer, because even though I'm saved, I still say a lot of dumb things. I'm very thankful that on that day of judgment, it's not going to be for punishment. It's not going to be Jesus says, oh, well, you get to be in heaven in about 10 years, so you got to wait. And, and that, No, that's not biblical. Now, if you don't have Jesus as your Savior, then you will literally go through every word you've spoken, and, and God cares about the smallest of conversations, the smallest of words, they are not small to him. Notice he, Jesus uses the word idle. It means careless or thoughtless. You ever spoken without thinking and then instantly regretted it? And it's like as the words are coming out, you're like, no. And you're like, you like want to put them back, but they're gone. It happens. But Jesus says every word counts. That's why in verse then 37, look in your Bibles. He says, by your words you will be justified or made right with God. And by your words, you'll be condemned. And this is true. I want you to think about this for a moment. If someone wants to come to Jesus for forgiveness of sins and everlasting life, the Bible gives instructions regarding both the mouth and the heart. Let me show you. Paul in Romans 10 verses 9 and 10 Paul says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, so you say, Jesus is not only Lord, but he is my Lord, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Do you guys see the connection here? The reason the Bible wants us, and God directs us to confess it with our mouth is because it's connected to our heart. It is where your mouth confesses what you've already believed in your heart. And there's a connection. And we all know this. We all know the weight of words. And we know this for when we have been hurt 
by words. We know it when, when, when someone says, you know, when someone says something uh, mean or upsetting or, or whatever it might be towards us, it's more than just the audible sound that we hear that hits our eardrum. Unless the person screams in your ear and it actually hurts, it's not actually the sound waves of the mean comment that hurts. It's the weight behind them. It's because you know when someone says something to you, the words, they're just words. They don't mean anything, but they do because of the heart behind them. Because you know someone's mouth is connected to their heart. You know that what they say is how they feel. And so we see the connection. Now, of course, for a time, someone could put up a facade. You know what a facade is? A facade is the idea of, of just display only. It's just a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fake picture of not something real. You could put up a facade to deceive others of what's really in your heart. You know, some people are really good at saying the right things, but then behind the scenes, they're a different person. You know anyone like that? Maybe you've seen that with the siblings. You're like, they said all the right things to mom and dad, but behind, when they're not there, they're like evil. Um, you know, you could do that for a time, but listen, over time, what is in your heart eventually overflows. That's why out of the abundance of the heart, it will overflow out and what is inside will eventually come out. Okay, I want you to turn now three chapters to the right. Okay, it's important. I know the foundation is, is large, but we gotta lay it before we move on to Proverbs 15. Okay, Matthew 15. I'm not gonna read this to you, but I wanna, wanna give you one more thing that Jesus says because I think it nails it in that much more. We gotta get this. It's important. Matthew chapter 15, verses one through 20. So this chapter opens up again and we find the scribes and Pharisees are upset with Jesus and his disciples again. This time, it was over the fact that they saw the disciples not accurately washing their hands according to the traditions of the Jewish leaders. So they weren't washing their hands before they ate. And for the Jews, this was something that they had done in a particular special way. What had gone on was that the Jews began to take God's law and go overboard. God told them to wash their hands before they, before they eat. They, he told them not to eat certain foods, right? Like bacon or, or shellfish or things like that. Uh, he had instructed them to do that. But they took it so far that they began to have these strange and, and overbearing traditions that the disciples didn't do because they were with Jesus. Now, this wasn't like a cleanliness thing on their part. You know when your mom tells you to go wash your hands before dinner? Why? Because your hands are dirty. This wasn't so much a, you know, the Pharisees and scribes were just really clean people and they were just really concerned about that. No, they were, they were uh, uh, concerned with their own interpretation of the law. And so, again, Jesus responds brilliantly, calls them hypocrites, and then he uses this, though, listen, as a teaching moment. Let me show you verse 11. Verse 11 here, Jesus says, and it's very connected with what we saw in chapter 12, that it's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a man, but what comes out of the mouth. He says, this defiles a man. 
the idea of defile, defilement is to be uh, separated by sin from, from God. He says, listen, it's not about what you eat or don't eat. It's not about you don't wash your hands, like, okay. But it's what comes out of man that begins to affect you. You see, they were so concerned with the wrong thing. And so what you say, listen, is a direct reflection of what's in your heart. You can't go in and see what's in someone's heart, but you will know by what they say, how they say it, and eventually what they do. That's why Jesus said over and over again, you will know them by their what? Fruits. You will know them by what comes out of their life in word and in deed. This is the heart-mouth connection, and it matters, okay? So now, with that foundation, let's go and dive into Proverbs 15. I want to highlight a handful of Proverbs to you uh, for the remainder of our time in light of the heart-mouth connection. Proverbs 15, okay? So Matthew is done away with. I should hear some flipping back. Uh, or maybe you, you uh, had that bookmark, so maybe not too much flipping. But Proverbs chapter 15, okay? Proverbs 15. Now, within this chapter, there's seven verses that have to do with the mouth and six verses that have to do with the heart. And out of those seven and then six, two of them intersect, making uh, some points of, of importance for us. Okay, so first one we're going to look at is Proverbs chapter 15, verse 28. So look towards the end of the chapter, and we're going to kind of be going all over chapter 15, but mostly staying there. So Proverbs 15, a lot of these are self-contained, meaning that one verse is one complete thought. And what you're going to find is that kind of uh, contrast. You guys know what a contrast is? Contrasting colors or uh, you know, I can't think of anything else that, that is a contrast. But a contrast is the idea of, of you take two things that are different and you put them next to each other and then they highlight uh, the, the reality of both of those things, okay? So you're gonna see oftentimes these proverbs separated by a but, okay? Not a but with two T's, a but with one T. A but, okay? But the mouth of the way, okay? That's how a lot of them are gonna be. So Proverbs 15, verse 28, says the heart of the righteous studies how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours forth evil. So he gives this contrast. He says the heart of the righteous studies how to answer or to respond. Translation, the idea of studies is to think about beforehand. Have you ever tried to study while taking a test? it doesn't work very well. You gotta do that beforehand. And so before you answer, before you respond, the Bible says that the righteous person who is in the book of Proverbs, the wise person, those are really interchangeable terms, righteous and wise, they are connected. That's why the wicked and a fool, those two things are connected. Studies, it means to meditate, to reflect deeply, to give some serious thought and consideration about. And so listen, what your mom has told you is biblical, godly wisdom. Think before you speak. 
think before you speak. That is not from, your mom didn't make that up. That's in the Bible. That's from God. That would be God's instruction to you. If you want to be a righteous person, this means someone who lives right with God, who lives a life pleasing to him. If you want to live in wisdom, then don't say everything that comes into your mind. You know, we live in a strange age. Uh, Our culture teaches us that if you have a thought, then it must be right. That if you have a thought uh, regarding something, then that's what you are. And that's what you need to speak. But the Bible says sometimes the things that's in your person, your heart, your mind, that, that part that no one can see, sometimes that ain't supposed to come out. Why? Because the Bible says sin dwells in you. And the righteous and wise person doesn't just, open, think about it, the, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, the overflow. And that's often what happens. And that's connected, look, to the, the idea of pouring forth. It says, the wicked pours forth evil. That term, pours forth, is like that idea of overflowing. It, it literally means to spew out profusely, meaning a lot. Just It's just coming out. And the Bible says a fool, a wicked man does that. But someone who's smart, who's righteous, who's wise, is going to meditate, is going to study before they respond. It's really interesting. A lot of these in chapter 15 have to do with how we respond. You know, that's often the area that we get ourselves in trouble with, right? We're on our own. We're fine. We're not, we're not saying nothing. And then someone says something to us. And then it's in our response that we get in trouble, right? Whether it's with mom, dad, whether it's with siblings, whether it's with someone at school, it's like, I was, I was fine. But then in our response, that's when things get dicey. Verse two uh, parallels this truth very nicely. So same chapter, verse two. This is the chapter of the day. The tongue of the wise uses knowledge rightly, meaning he does good with it as it's intended to do. But notice the same term that was in verse 28, but the mouth of fools pour forth foolishness. It's the same idea, pouring forth. You see, a fool constantly just says whatever is in their mind. It just comes out. This this term, it means to bubble up and come out. It's kind of like, have you ever shaken a soda can before? And then what happens when you open it? A lot. Have you ever gotten a Diet Pepsi and put some Mentos in it? Anyone know about this? So listen, don't do this inside. Uh, but, but if you get a Diet Coke, you put some Mentos in it, it goes everywhere. Okay, it's, it's pretty insane. Um, and so listen, for, for you guys, this idea of pouring forth foolishness is it just begins to come out it's to think it's to speak before you think it's to just speak recklessly well it's on my mind so i must say it listen you don't gotta say everything that's on your mind in fact for me i try to say a lot of things that are not on my mind because i know who i am still and though i am redeemed and saved and being refined by jesus the just like paul We have nothing good that dwells in us. James gives us this timeless concept in his letter in the New Testament. James 1, 
verse 19. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. I want you to notice here the connection between speaking and anger. Okay, wrath is the idea of an uncontrolled anger. It's uh, um, the idea of here, the wrath of man is, is an uncontrolled anger. Wrath of God is righteous. Wrath of man is uncontrolled. And we are to be swift to hear, meaning we're to be quicker to hear and slower to speak. And that's gonna enable us to then be slower to wrath, with, which wrath or anger is an emotion that comes from where? comes from the inside, from the heart. Uh, they, ancient rabbis apparently said something along these lines. This was something common that they had said in ancient days. I don't really know where the reference comes from, but it says this. I like the truth of it. This is the reason why we have two ears and only one mouth. I'm sure all of you have heard that one before. That we may hear more and speak less. The ears are always open. This is the, what I thought was interesting. Ever ready to receive instruction. You know, none of us can close our ears. Now, you can put your fingers in your ears. You can put uh, earplugs on. You can put your AirPods in, which you should not have in church, by the way, uh, while the Bible study is going on. But listen, but the ears are always open. They are, they are <laughs> and I think it's designed that way. But notice, but the tongue is surrounded with a double row of teeth to hedge it in and keep it within its proper bounds. Now, I don't want you to get the wrong idea. What I'm not saying is that we should just stop talking. Now, there's wisdom. There's another proverb that says, in the abundance of words, sin is not lacking. Meaning, sometimes when you talk a lot, it's just a matter of time before you start sinning. So there should be wisdom. But at the same time, this doesn't mean that we shouldn't talk. It just means when we do speak, it should be intentional that we realize that there's no words that are empty. They all have weight. All right, then there's Proverbs 15, 7. This is another heart-mouth connection that says this. Notice on the screen or in your own Bibles. The lips of the wise disperse knowledge. It means to spread verbally. That the lips of the wise, man, they, they, they have something to give. But the heart of fools does not do so. Meaning, and look at that mouth and then heart. The wise lips has to do with the fool's heart in contrast because the fool don't got anything down there to share of any value, of any benefit. But for you and I who want to walk in the righteousness of God, want to walk in wisdom, we, we have something to share. We have something to speak. Listen, if you want to be used by God, and if you don't, then you got something in your heart, but nonetheless, if you want to be used by God, it's going to include your mouth. It's going to include what you say, whether that's directly or indirectly, right? The Bible says that we are ambassadors of Christ, meaning we are his representatives. Is Jesus, Jesus' physical body here on planet earth? It is not. Jesus's body is referred to as the church that is filled and fueled by the Holy Spirit. If Jesus was here, he would be speaking. He would be teaching. He would be spreading knowledge. 
about the kingdom of God. And you and I are the body of Christ. And so what are we to be doing? We're to be speaking. But not only that, we're to be doing this indirectly in the sense of, of even if we're not talking directly about Jesus and the kingdom of God, our lips and what we say matters. Also look with me at the wisdom of the very first verse of our chapter, Proverbs 15, 1. Another verse on speaking and answering. Proverbs 15, 1 says, A soft answer or a soft response turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. This is a good one. This is one you're going to want to keep in your back pocket. Hey, notice, a soft answer. Answer. This is a gentle response, a tender response, a kind response, really a sensitive response. So notice that the responder isn't necessarily the initiator. This is when someone comes in hot. This is when someone is upset. It's when someone is angry and wrathful. What you say has the ability to calm that person down. But what's going to really stir him up is a harsh word in response. That word harsh, it literally means painful, a word of pain. And the idea of stirring up is to fan the flame into a bigger flame. You guys ever been at a, maybe a, a fire at the beach or a campfire or something like that, and the fire is beginning to dwindle down? And there's just kind of the, the coals, that they're really hot now, but it's just kind of like smoldering. And then you put some new wood on there, but it doesn't catch. And then someone comes with maybe like a, something that flat that they can make some wind and some oxygen. And what happens? It fans it into flame. And then that wood is able to catch that flame. You see, when you match someone's intense anger and wrath with a harsh word, man, it's going to fan that flame even more. But this is our temptations for some of us. Our temptation is either one of two ways. One of two ways is we match that intensity with intensity. So someone comes in and they're hot, they're angry, there's something going on that we try to, we, you know, then we get angry. Our response then is harsh. That's going to make things worse. What has the ability to calm things down, to put out the flame, uh, would be a sensitive word, a, a gentle word. Now, it's not weak, but it's gentle. Weakness doesn't mean gentleness, and gentleness doesn't mean weakness. But for some of you, maybe your temptation in a situation like that, maybe that's at home, maybe that's with a friend, maybe that's something just in, in general. Some of you might rather you're like, oh, I, I wouldn't match the intensity. Like, that makes me withdraw. Notice, it doesn't say, the verse doesn't say a no answer turns, a non-answer turns away wrath. It says a soft answer. Meaning that if your tendency is to receive, that's not always wisdom either. But it's being able to say the right thing in the right way. Colossians 4, 6 puts it like this. Paul says, let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. I love the intentionality with this. This is our directive as a believer. We are to be graceful with what we say. 
And you guys know what grace means, right? We've all experienced God's grace if we've been forgiven. It means his goodwill and kindness. And so we are to take God's grace and then be graceful, be, be kind, be, be, uh, have this goodwill in, in what we say. And it's supposed to be seasoned with salt. It means it's supposed to taste good. Meaning we can, we can speak in a way, wisdom is to, is to, you could say truth in a harsh way or a salty way. You guys ever had something that was supposed to have salt that didn't have salt? Um, I've told you the story before, I think, but there was a Thanksgiving where um, my wife's grandma, rather than putting the correct amount of salt, put sugar in the mashed potatoes. Uh, it, didn't, it, didn't, it didn't go so good. Um, now, I'm all about sweet potatoes when it's like the natural sugar, but when you're, when you're expecting like mashed potatoes, salty, creamy, delicious, and then taste sweet, it's very, very concerning. But listen, we're not just to be full of, it's not just supposed to taste good like sugar, but it's to have salt, salt enhances the flavor of something that you put in it. Did you know that? Salt is a flavor enhancer. That's why in baking, even though you might be making something sweet, you put a little bit of salt. And, and you're like, what? Yeah, in, in the best cookies, best cakes, typically there's a little bit of salt because it enhances the flavor that's already there. You know, we can stop a bad situation or an intense, angry situation with a soft and salty word. Proverbs 15, 8, 18 in the same chapter says, A wrathful man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger allays contention. It means calms it down and and i would i would imagine some of you have these experiences at home or somewhere to some extent where there's someone in your life where you know you could push their buttons maybe it's a sibling who's upset angry and you just want to rile them up and so in their anger rather than having a soft gentle word sensitive you just push the button you know exactly what to say that's going to stir them up you see wisdom and righteousness not only knows what to say, but how to say it. You know, words are very emotional, are very emotional. They have emotional attachments as we've been talking about. That's why Proverbs 15, 4, another one, says a wholesome tongue is a tree of life. And he's beneficial for other people. A wholesome tongue is, is kind of that same concept. It's an even-tempered tongue. It's, it's gentle and mild and caring and sensitive. Man, you want to be around someone like that. You want to be around someone that, man, they, 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 in the way that they speak, they're, they're caring. But alternatively, perverseness, a perverse tongue, meaning an evil tongue, it can break the spirit. Meaning it can affect, listen, something someone says can affect someone's immaterial part of who they are their heart their soul their spirit it can be it's connected to emotion you guys know the phrase sticks and stones may break my bones but words will never you know will hurt me have you guys ever heard that first time you've ever heard that okay all right well if you haven't then congratulations but it's actually a stupid saying in my opinion uh in my opinion you know, I've, I've gotten hurts physically, and the body's amazing. They heal. But 
it's wild what you can remember what someone says to you. Something someone says that was mean or, or hurtful. That can stick with you. There's no physical healing. It's something that breaks the spirit, meaning it got past the physical nature of who you are into your very soul. Listen, words have power. Absolutely. Proverbs 15, 23 tell us that they not only have power to affect someone else's emotions and spiritual state, but your own. That's why Proverbs 15, verse 23, a man has joy by the answer of his mouth, meaning how you respond to people will actually affect you. Did you know that? If you're a Debbie Downer, it's going to affect you. If you're a negative Nelly, that's going to affect you. If you're a positive Pete, now we're talking, all right? <laughs> now, listen, I'm telling you, it affects you. How you speak affects you. If you're always just like down all the time, everything's a bummer. You go to lunch and you're like, ah, like the soda fountain's out. But you got to go to lunch rather than eating a boring ham sandwich at home. Dude, that's gonna, when you speak things out loud, it, 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 it affects you, absolutely. And a word spoken in due season, how good it is. Meaning, listen, God's expectation for what we say is not only what we say, not only how we say it, but according to the second part of verse 23, it is when we say it. What, how, and when. Words have power. They have power to change someone's eternity. Whether it's sharing the gospel or whether it's responding to the gospel. So, what do we do? do, do is the goal today for you to leave this place just being really determined? To just kind of really being more positive? Is the, deter- is the goal today you leaving? You're like, okay, I'm going to really work on what I say. Listen, that's not necessarily the goal. Because if we're talking about a, mar- uh, a mouth, a heart-to-mouth connection, if we focus on the mouth, then we're going to miss the heart. But if we focus on the heart, it's going to include the mouth. And so the whole point of us talking about this heart-mouth connection is the fact that if you leave this place just trying to be better in what you say and how you say it and when you say it, you will not even make it to the car without messing up. But if you can allow the Holy Spirit of God to work in your heart, to allow him to clean house, to allow him to be honest with him and to allow him in, then listen, he's gonna deal with your heart and it's gonna affect your mouth. This, let's end with a prayer that I think we should daily pray in regards to this topic. Psalm 1914, this is one that uh, I try to make daily for myself because uh, I get myself in trouble a lot with the Lord, with other people. I say things I didn't mean to say, I say things in a way I didn't want to say it. It happens. Because I know, like, even though I'm saved, I still have a sinful heart. Not until heaven does that go away. But the closer I am with Jesus, the more I allow Jesus into my heart, and I let his word to wash over my, the immaterial part of who I am, then, man, I notice that it affects in the way that I speak. 
Psalm 19, 14, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable, be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen? God, this is our prayer. This is our heart. Lord, we know that if we try to do this, it ain't going to go well. But if we have you, Lord, then there's nothing that can stop us from being able to, to use what you've given us for your glory, for others' goods. God, we, um, we know we need you in this area. And so, God, we, we confess our sin to you. God, maybe for some of us this very day, we've already messed up in this area. We know that James said that the tongue is an unquenchable fire. Who can tame the tongue? We know we can't, but by the Holy Spirit, there's nothing that you can't do. You are the all-powerful, almighty God. And so we ask that today, January 15th, that you would help the words of our mouth, and the meditation of our hearts just be pleasing to you. Lord, because I know even if some of us, maybe we're like, well, I don't even talk much. I'm not even going to get myself in that much trouble. But the heart, that's what you care about. And so God, with the thoughts, with the words, with our whole lives, just be acceptable to you. We know you are our strength. You are a redeemer. And so we look to you for all things. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.